Welcome back, lifters. Happy Friday. So, so, so great to see everybody and hear everybody. And, well, I can't see or hear you, but you can hear me. You can't see me. Um, so today is the last day of March. Super exciting. I hate March with burning passion. Um, some great people in my life were born in March, but, you know, I just hate the weather. So they were just born in a really unfortunate month. Um... Sorry that we had a little bit of a hiatus. I did have COVID for a couple of weeks. Um, well, I had it last week and it was just, I just felt yucky and I moved the week before that. So we're back. We're better than ever. Uh, we got some great bullet points and conversations to be had today. Uh, unfortunately, you know, my co-host isn't here, but she is here in spirit. And as always, she is a producer and main part of this podcast. So shout out to Alessia Pasquale. She is out doing great things in Miami. Hopefully we'll see her next week because she will be here. Um, so maybe we'll do a fun rant with her. Why not? Um, break up the, the presidency segments of it all. So we're going to kind of jump right on in. I first and foremost want to, I, I do want to do just a very it's hard to talk about it because it's such a hot button thing, but that's what this podcast is all about. So I just want to have everyone just close their eyes and think about the people from every angle of this tragedy. Um, the Nashville school shooting, it was one of, I think it was our 89th school shooting or something this school year, which is insane and crazy and disgusting, but here we are. Um a lot of factors that we can kind of talk about maybe next week in our rant. Um, and there's a lot of things that people are saying. And instead of using this as a device to bring us together, as usual, the government and our leaders are doing nothing but shredding us apart. Um, social media is, is really putting their hand in it. Um, and it makes me wonder, you know, who's controlling all of this you know who's who's media who's the mediator you know we have mediators in every pretty much every big situation you know whether it be legal or whether it be um I don't know like a big issue that we have that needs to be have have a mediator even families have mediators sometimes with different courts where is our big fat mediator isn't it supposed to be the president that's all I'm gonna say I'm gonna leave it into the air like that and we're going to talk about it again next week because it's a lot um so my prayers are with other families human rights wise nobody deserves to die um that way it just it's not called for ever so that's it and I just I pray for all of them um so let's dive in this is uh season two episode three yeah wow dang okay um, it's our second Lifting Leadership, well, technically third Lifting Leadership episode, and it's the title is going to be Washington, Our Blueprint, because guys, he was really an integral blueprint to how the presidency was supposed to happen. You know, you kind of, you flash forward to right now, and the presidency, I want to say he's almost become like a king, like a monarch, where it's he's just a figurehead at this point, you know? Nobody really understands how much power he has. And if you do understand how much power he has, then nobody's really telling us because nothing's happening. You know, there's no um, 
mobility of resources. It feels like everything's staying stagnant. That's what I feel like watching the news. It just feels like the same bad news is on repeat and nothing's being done. And it kind of, if you look historically, when there is this kind of leader in office that's um, a Democrat, particularly. And that trend has changed with the presidency. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about the presidency this season to show kind of when Democrats and Republicans really like traded places and the Democrat leader used to be like the stronger leader or considered the stronger leader and get stuff done simply. Um, and the Republican was kind of like the brass, like kind of like smoking his cigar, not really doing very much to a certain extent. That's a very much of an overgeneralization. But you can kind of see the branch in power and how it changed and shifted in the parties within the presidency and what's done and what's not done action wise. And a lot of that actually, the main break off was after JFK's assassination, which we'll get into. Um, that's why I'm so fascinated with JFK because he was the last true democratic president that just got stuff done in a different kind of way. Um, so yeah, he, after that, the Republicans kind of, kind of took it over and, you know, adopted more ideologies, but we'll get into it. So let's, you know, backtrack again. Um, Washington, what made him unique as a leader and, you know, we're going to focus a lot on controversies and serious hurdles he had to work through as the very first president, you know, this, he was the first, he was the precursor. He was the person that was going to create this role and it was not an easy feat. Um, it's going to help us figure out how the core responsibilities and overall character of the president has shifted and stayed the same. Again, we're talking about those trends and how being a quote-unquote Republican versus a Democrat leader, what that meant and how those stereotypes shifted throughout time and how, you know, th those trends were, those trends affected what was happening in real time, in history, crime, um, war, all of that. It all goes into the presidency and it's very interesting. We don't talk about the presidency a lot anymore because it's we do treat it especially in American history as simply a figurehead at this point so first and foremost let's start off with a framework of dates Washington's um, presidential term was from April 30th 1789 to March 4th 1797 first initial question how did inauguration day turn into January 20th that is like a big question that I've always had. And I it would be really easy for me to Google it, but I really want to go on this journey and figure it out for myself. Um, I'm leaning into the convenience of it all. Maybe it's just easier to start in a new year. Like a, a, a January start date just makes more sense for Congress and maybe how things just need to fall. Um, but why not keep that April tradition if that's when our first initial president was sworn in? Food for thought, something that we'll keep an eye out on in our leadership journey. But I just wanted to kind of throw those dates out there and think about why April 30th is no longer Inauguration Day. Um, we go directly to a great resource, uh, mountvernon.org, for those historically inept. And I 
and really, really bad with dates. And I am one of those people. (laughs) I was never a historical buff until I started this podcast, if I'm being so completely honest. And I'm really, I learn so much every single week by doing this research. Let me just tell you. Um, So Mount Vernon served as Washington's home from 1754 to 1799 until his death. The article is titled, Five Challenges George Washington Faced as America's First President. Direct quote, Washington as president could be a very savvy political leader, and he certainly had a whole host of feelings and reaction as a very real person in a very difficult situation. End quote. So automatically, we're talking about a person. We're not talking about a figurehead. We are talking about a man that is part of the people, not a man that is separated from the people. The rhetoric is that he is supposed to represent the people and he is supposed to be the main leader and mediator. That is the bulk of his job and it is a hard one. He had to set boundaries. He had to set lines. He had to, you know, feel like, you know, be approachable, but also be powerful. And that is an incredibly, terribly awful balance to try to establish alone. Um, Another direct quote. So one of his main challenges was that in many ways, Washington had to create the presidency, end quote. Another quote. The actual nature of the job, the tone of the office, the ways in which the president would interact with other nation, national office holders or with the, the people of the United States, the workings of the cabinet, were up for grabs. The United States was an experimental government led by a new experimental type of executive officer. There was no precedent for this office in a world full of kings, leaving Washington the monumental task of figuring out how to act like a president." End quote. So we're dealing with, think about this world, this word experimental. (laughs) Like how daunting is that for him? I would be so intimidated if I were Washington and I was just like, okay, so we're, we're creating something new, new government. And I'm the head honcho of this, you know, a really good thing that he was very talented at, I think just based off of the research that I've done is Listening to the people, yes, but it's also listening to your peers and considering all angles of the House and the Senate and figuring out, "Mm, how are we going to like make this work for everybody? So I think that he was a good mediator. I think that he really was. Um, It's a, you know, it's a very slippery slope. You're dealing with a very brand new, newborn nation. Um, So collaborating is the main tool that that's going to save your life and save your people's lives. Um, another quote, many people assume that the fragile new nation would be probably eventually fall back into what it had known before monarchy End quote. People were waiting to watch Washington fall and fail. Every nation thought it was just a matter of a waiting game. There was always that impending doom that England or France would be taking over and ready for Washington's failures. So if we just think about where we are today, guys, let's think, friends. Let's think for a minute. We treat Inauguration Day like a coronation to a certain extent. It's very ceremonious, It you know, as it should be. Um, but there's too much pompousness that goes around being a president now, right? Um, there's too much 
haughty, hoity-toity moments that go around with the president. It's too idolized. You know, that's how the king and queen are and princesses and princes. They are idolized by their people. They don't, their people don't feel like they are part of them. The people feel like they need to bow to them. That's monarchy. And that's kind of where we are. You know, the only time that you really feel like you can talk to someone in your government is if it's local government most of the time. Anything in Washington is untouchable, considered untouchable and um, unattainable. That shouldn't be the case. The blueprint was that they were part of the people and they were listening to the people and that was it. There was no idolization because those attitudes and that demeanor immediately, immediately would lead to the, the, uh, the figurehead the figurehead blueprint of it all that we're trying to get away, get away from that Washington worked so hard to demolish another quote. Um, according to the logic of the time, if national leaders dressed and behaved like aristocrats, the government would take on an aristocratic tone. The American people would adopt it, vote more, excuse me, vote more such people into office. And in no time, the Republic would fall. As he himself put it, he aimed for simplicity of dress and everything which can tend to support propriety of character without partaking of the follies of luxury and ostentation, end quote. He was very smart in knowing that those small decisions of presentation of the president mattered so just as much as the big decisions. Everything was being scrutinized. He was setting the tone. We are not, yes, the president doesn't dress in robes. Yes, the president, you know, dresses in a normal suit every day. He still needs to look a certain part, 100%. That hasn't changed. The tone in that way, the dress hasn't changed. And it was a really good choice that Washington made. And it evolved really nicely. The, the presentation of the president hasn't changed. It's all of the things around him. It's the accessories. It's the accessories what am I trying to say it's the just the idea of the president seems luxurious today and it changed over time and it got away from this blueprint um another quote his presidential uniform a dignified blue or black suit ceremonial sword and hat embodied a similar compromise with it, he was President Washington. Without it, he was General Washington, a distinction that even the newspapers acknowledged, end quote. Let's recall the great debate that Congress and the Senate had about what to call the president. Now there were debates on how to act around the president. So this whole thing is setting the tone, setting the stage for what will this look like in the future, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these patterns change and evolved and what didn't change and evolve for each president, because it's going to explain how we got here, because it's kind of opposite of where George Washington wanted us to be. Uh, direct quote, when the president arrived in the Senate chamber, should the senators rise in respect to a superior or sit as before an equal? The answer risked casting the president as a monarch or the Senate as a House of Lords, prompting an extended debate. In this charged environment, Washington often proved himself to be a skilled politician. When the location of the national capital was under debate, and of course, we know that Washington 
had rather strong feelings about it where it should be, Humphreys and Jackson were positioned in front of Congress Hall to chat with members about the pending vote, end quote. Washington was navigating who to trust and what to pro- and what the process of communication from the U.S. would look like. A form, it's a format that had not been invented until his leadership. So he's creating all of these small details that matter. And I think it's a lot, it's creating tradition. And I understand that. And, you know, there is ceremony to be had and all of that. And there is proper, there's propriety in it. And it's still followed today, I believe, to almost a T. But there's something about it that, you know, when people talk about religion and all of these laws were in place, you know, back in before Christ even, um, with the sign of the times, other things have to evolve with it. It just has to happen. So if we're holding on so tightly to these ceremonious things, like to the book, black and white to the T of what Washington did, that's beautiful. You're following a blueprint, but you're not allowing yourself to evolve with the times. And that's going to create a monarchical approach, monarchial approach. I don't know the correct word, but you're going to create that king luxurious. That's where the luxurious feelings are coming from. You're following ceremony. That's important, but you're also should be following the sign of the times and you should be adapting to what's going on around you. Um, another quote, Washington was also skilled at sounding at public opinion about his <clears throat> presidency and po- policies to figure out what the public thought politicians and their friends had to resort to rather indirect methods. They sat in taverns and listened to what people were discussing. They knocked on farmhouse doors to see whether there was a Federalist or a Republican newspaper on the mantle. They asked their friends to report the talk of the town. Washington did the same, end quote. I kind of wish we had a social experiment and did this as a form of voting to see what would happen. By doing this, America can better can become better acquainted with healthy conversation and debate. And it's a concept that I believe to be completely lost today. We all know this. This is this is the theme. This is the motif of this season. Conversation and debate are dead. <laughs> like they are tired and gone out of our culture. Um, I love this quote so much. This is still from mountvernon.com. It has incredible amount of, you know, information. It says, differences in opinion did not concern him, end quote. What a perfect way to jump into the next article because that whole thing was it. If your president doesn't care about your opinion or your opinion, I care about the the good of the people, that rhetoric is gone <laughs> because you have presidents who are associated with one side or the other. Sure, parties exist, but at the end of the day, everything should be set aside. Opinions should be set aside and what's good, what's, what's going to be the best for the people overall. Another article, College of Humanities and Social Sciences launched, launched um, an article by Peter R. Henricks, professor of history. It's entitled George Washington and the Challenge of Launching the New Government on May 9th, 2011. This was posted. Uh, direct quote, over and over again, almost like an evangelical 
preacher, Washington argued that men and nations are driven by interests and any form of government that failed to take into account the true character of human nature would be unsuccessful. End quote. Sounds like that message did not carry all the way through history. No, it just didn't. Um, <laughs> I just... I, yeah, men and nations are driven by interests. Any form of government that failed to take that into account, the true character of human nature would be unsuccessful. We talk about this. We talk about there's going to be opinions and it's okay to listen. It's okay to debate. Like give yourself permission to feel uncomfortable in debate. Actually, you know what? The uncomfort, the discomfort will go away and you'll feel empowered afterwards. I promise. Um, direct quote, the following quote best summarizes his, Washing- his Washington's view. This is a quote from Washington. We must make the best of mankind as they are since we cannot have them as we wish them to be, end quote. Another quote, the president always weighted carefully what was politically feasible. He followed aristotle's credo for all working politicians the best is often unattainable and therefore the true lawmaker or statesman ought to be acquainted not only with what with that which is best in the abstract but also with that which is best considering the circumstances end quote um so we're talking about evolution the evolution of presidency should be happening right it goes with the signs of the times. If the times are evolving, evolve your practice so that you can best lead the people and consider all of their interests and then make the right choice. That's presidency and it's not being followed today. That's the blueprint that Washington held. He went into our Aristotle's credo and said, this is what I want for America. It didn't happen. More often than not, politicians, no matter what side they're on, consider the big picture first and foremost and refuse to make small conversations or debates that bring it back to how each policy that is being voted on impacts individuals in a personal way. Forgive me if this is a liberal, if that's a liberal and foolish idea, but if great leaders and philosophers coined an idea, shouldn't it carry through? So we're talking about, sure, They're considering the big picture of it all and they're going to make the best choice. But in order to do that, you have to consider the small ones and embrace the debate of it all. Embrace the conversations and encourage both sides to have it out respectfully and go with the signs of the times and evolve in that practice, you know. Be the leader, be the mediator that Washington wanted wanted you to be. Um, so let's talk about some main issues and laws that occurred during George Washington's presidency. Uh, first naturalization law was 1790. This is very controversial and we'll get back into it. I promise. First copyright law was 1790 passed. July 16th, 1790 established the nation's capital along with the Potomac River, an area we now know as the District of Columbia. December 1790, Alexander Hamilton, Secretary of Treasury, creates First National Bank. We all know this story. If you don't, then you're like way behind. Washington, just listen to Spotify and, you know, you'll know. Washington supported Congress and signed off on it in February 1791. 
Really controversial, by the way. We're going to get into it, I promise. Um, September 9th, 1791, capital is named Washington. Um, so we know now Washington's main event was taking this really, really fragile government and leadership role and trying to keep British and French powers at bay. And most of his acts and battles that he had to oversee dealt primarily with that. It essentially created America's credibility and accountability and created what we know today as a superpower. But is it? Because I think we're back, guys. I think we're back. And the British and French, you know, little little legs have come back for us. Because as I was, I was actually, I created the script a week ago and I got COVID and I lost my voice, so I couldn't even do it. I reread my script. I reread my research. And I was like, wait a minute. We are, he, the president is a figurehead. So we are not doing our job here. You know, we're not following the blueprint. Um, it's, it's really sticky. And I am, like I said, all those controversial, um, you know, laws and stuff that I had mentioned, I'm going to make a big list of them as I go through the presidencies and highlight them. And we'll kind of just go over main points about each of them that I find really interesting and how they tie into the podcast and the mantra of can't we just get along? (laughs) Um, I'm really happy that you guys joined us. If you listened all the way through, I really appreciate you. Um, Yeah, this has been awesome. Next week, I really, really hope to get Alessia on here and do a rant because I really needed a counterpart at this point because I feel like I'm just talking to thin air. Um, thank you all for listening and I hope you have an amazing weekend. Have a great Easter if we don't see you, but I think we will. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye.